Hey, welcome to Season 2 of Hike. I'm your host, Lori, sharing stories to inspire us to explore, wander, and live. So I'm really looking forward to this season's lineup. Something new this year is I'm doing deep dives on specific regions where you get to get different perspectives on a trail or a specific area. I have a couple already identified, but if you have a suggestion, drop me a message on my social media at the hike podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or email hikepodcast at gmail.com. And I just want to say thank you to those who reached out after last season's finale or responded to my survey with feedback. I'll be incorporating that into this season. And a special shout out to Instagram giveaway winner James. He won a couple of journals, a sticker, and his own hike t-shirt. And he even started a hiking group. So go check out Kasama's Hiking over at Instagram, and I'll put a link in the show notes. Also want to do a shout out to Bill. Him and his daughter are doing a section hike of the Florida Trail starting in January. So good luck with that, and thanks for reaching out. So if you want to get a sneak peek at my episodes this season and you want to be able to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash the hike podcast. For a few dollars a month, you're able to help me put out great content for the show and continue to do so. Other ways you can support the show are giving me a five-star review on iTunes. I'm going to start reading those at the start of the show this season or just share out the episodes with a friend. Thanks. So I am kicking off this season with a through hiking story of the Great Divide Trail in the Canadian Rockies. Hiker Dan Durston did a yo-yo of the trail in 2017 with his wife T. They previously hiked the PCT and he's going to go into how the Great Divide Trail is different than the Pacific Crest Trail. He shares the logistics of hiking such a wild trail, including the rundown on his resupplies, his water, gear and the wildlife he encountered. Also, Dan and T blogged their hike and he created several videos and you'll have to watch them because he captures just the sheer beauty of this landscape in his photography and videography there. I will have links in my show notes. So now take a listen to my conversation with Dan. So I'm here with Dan Durston. Hey, Dan. Hey. So tell me a little bit about just yourself and your hiking background. I, I found you when I was researching and doing some stuff on the Great Divide Trail. And uh, but tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I started hiking. I grew up in Ontario, Canada and started hiking um, with some friends there. And we thought it was so like we thought we were so gnarly hikers. We do like 20 kilometers or 12 miles on a weekend and that seemed like kind of a big crazy deal for us at the time just being like teenagers and things like that and then from there just like kind of spiraled in with like always doing more ambitious things and trying to go lighter and T really got a part of that too she um at the beginning we do, I remember one time we did a 21 kilometer hike over three days and it seemed like that was like a big thing to take on, but we kept hiking and then we realized by packing light and by getting like more experience that like our limits weren't anywhere near than what we thought. 
And so we just kept doing bigger and bigger hikes. And then eventually we wound up through hiking the PCT in 2014 and went from there. So just for listeners, T is your wife, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what part of Ontario? Just curious, because I'm from Michigan. Okay. Yeah, we grew up uh, just outside Kitchener, Waterloo, little town of Elmira. Oh, okay. Haven't heard of that town, but definitely know Kitchener. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. So you did the PCT in 2014. So that was your first exposure to like a through hike to long distance hiking. Yeah, we had, I had wanted to hike the PCT. Like I saw people doing it and it was like, oh, that's so awesome. And I planted this seed around 2012. And at the time T was like, no way, like that's just too much. But she like started reading blogs and like started realizing that normal people could actually do it. And it wasn't just like crazy athletes, but just if you wanted it, you could do it. So we did hike that in 2014 and we loved it. It was, it was awesome. We had five months of just being in shape and being outside and it was a great summer. Okay. So that definitely got the long distance bug in you. So you decided you wanted to do more long trails. Yeah, we had, I had done the PCT right after I went back to university. I finished school in the spring and then we went straight to the PCT the next day and we hiked all that summer. And then I, at the end of the hike, I had to be back at school for my master's. So when I did the master's, it was two more years. And then after that, we were like, oh, that was like a hard two years of like normal life. We really want to do another long hike. And so that's when we started looking around at things like the CDT and the GDT and other hikes. And we ended up deciding to do the GDT for a couple of reasons. We, um, we really liked that it was in Canada and we had met someone on the PCT that was involved in the trail organization and they had really great things to say. And so everything about the GDT was like, it was wild. It was in Canada. We kind of had some seeds planted. All that seemed really good, but we were worried that it wasn't long enough after we did the PCT because we loved how the PCT was the whole summer. How long is the GDT? So the GDT is 1100 kilometers, about 700 miles. So, so it's yeah, a lot, a lot less smaller. than the PCT. Yeah. So we were like, our PCT hike was about 120 days. And we were like, that's going to be like 50. And knowing from the PCT, we're like, we're going to just kind of hardly be getting into awesome shape and things like that. And we'll be almost done. So that's why we wanted to yo-yo it. It's just to partly to make it take longer and partly because nobody had done it and partly because the season's shorter. So we'd get some really neat early and late season conditions. So for the listeners, what exactly is a yo-yo hike? So the, a yo-yo is when you hike it in both directions. So you go one way, get to the end, and just turn right around and come back. Because you want to experience like going both northbound and southbound or vice versa, right? Yeah, totally. And people always think that like, oh, like that's got to be boring. Why, could, why don't you do like two different hikes? But it's so different when you do the other direction, not just because you're looking the other way, but you're going to see different wildlife and meet different people. Everything looks different. And, and especially in the, yeah, that's huge. Like, yeah. So the, the yo-yo is so different for the time of year. When we hiked North, the first month was mostly on snow. We were snowshoeing. And then when we came back a month or sorry, at the end of the summer, it was all fall colors and just like beautiful and so different. Oh, that sounds like a really, yeah, a unique experience. Um, so you said the Great Divide Trail is in Canada, but can you kind of 
explain like where are the terminus, um, where does it normally start and stop? So the GVT starts at the U.S. border at the same monument that's the northern terminus for the CDT, the Continental Divide Trail. And it, like the Continental Divide Trail, it runs up the Continental Divide, um, but through Canada. And it, where it actually ends is a little more murky. Um, historically, it ended at Mount Robson, which is the highest peak in the Rockies. And it's a good natural ending point, but there's so much more awesome mountains beyond that. So now it sort of goes another 200 kilometers, 120 miles to Kakwa Lake. That's like the normal terminus. But a lot of people still stop at Robson because it's hard logistically to do that last section. Okay. So, and is it more of a route than a trail? So what, what's it kind of made up of? Is, is it, you know, you, you did the PCT, so you know that it's well signed and, you know, it's probably pretty easy to follow that trail is what's the GDT like? So one of the biggest things that people will notice on the GDT compared to something like the PCT is how it's much less consistent. The PCT is like always good trail at a nice slope and it's well signed. And the GDT has some of that, but it has a bit of everything. So I would say um, certainly, so it's very much less consistent. And then what it includes is everything from road walking to like totally wild alpine ridges. And generally, if I had to sum it up, it would be like, maybe 15% right now is on ATV trails or roads. Probably two thirds of it is on good single track. And then another, the last 15, 20%, if that adds up is on without a trail, but for the most part, it's like ridges and um, floodplains and things like that, where you don't have a trail, but you're also not just like bushwhacking i mean there are a few spots so you had to have a good resource a good kind of navigation system to know where you were headed yeah there's an app that's really good um and there's really good maps set for it but it's not like some people say it's like totally a route which i wouldn't say it is because there's it's more the exception when you're navigating than like on a regular basis so what were the trail conditions like um you said that it wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, bushwhacking or anything like that. So, so it seemed pretty decent, but, but was it easy to follow? Did, did you have good water supplies kind of, you know, what, what was the trail like itself? Blowdowns, you know? The trail goes through all these different areas that are like all over the place. So there are like huge sections in the national parks that are like 200 kilometers of great trail or something close to it. But then there's also substantial sections that go through like crown land or just non-park areas that are a lot rougher. Some of them, the trail organization, the GDTA isn't allowed to maintain, just nobody's allowed to maintain. So it can, there's like, well, nobody except the government is allowed to maintain them and the government doesn't have the funding Mm -hmm. to do it. So So, it's, yeah. yeah. So it was interesting because I was reading and we'll get into it a little bit later too, that you did blog and, and your wife blogged as well. And there was some, you know, some things she was saying about how basically you, you were doing trail maintenance along the way that you were, you know, kind of up ahead and you would just help clear the trail. Yeah. Like 
one of the like really inspiring things about the GDT is that the scenery is consistently amazing the whole way. And it, even when the trail isn't good, you're like, this landscape is incredible. And it makes me want to contribute to that. And things like if everybody kind of picks up a few logs and throws them off the trail or do things like that, it can make a difference. So I'm volunteering with the trail organization now. And on the hike, I was often tossing logs off the trail and things like that just to try to give back and help out. No, that that's awesome. I mean, you know, to be able to do that and to, to help out while you're actually hiking it. So you mm-hmm. also described it as, I mean, you did say that it was, um, I guess, much more scenic, much more wild and, and beautiful and vast than the PCT. And I guess, you know, you said it was just jaw dropping. So tell me, mm-hmm. you know, What's the difference uh, between the the experience of, you know, GDT versus PCT? I think different kind types of people are going to like one more than the other. And it's not like one's better or worse. They're just different. So on the PCT, one of the great things about it is the trail's always good. So you can always, like, trust it. And you're like, I'm going to make good miles. And it's going to be nice trail. And it's always going to be kind of enjoyable because the hiking is good even if the scenery is like at times mediocre, like the PCT has lots of great stuff too, like Washington and the Sierras. But even if it's in like Oregon or something, which is still pretty good, but if it's not as quite as good, then at least the trail's good. The GDT is throws a lot more challenges at you, which some people are going to find discouraging and other people are going to thrive under. So the GDT might throw you on like a, just a rough ridge where you, you're not scrambling, you're just kind of hiking off trail for a while. Or it might throw you through like a brushy section or something like like great trail and then no trail. And so it's all over the place. And you never trust it. You're never like on the PCT, you can kind of just hike. On the GDT, you're always wary, like what's this going to throw at me next? And usually it's not too bad, but there's definitely curveballs every day. So you had to be super aware all the time of kind of your surroundings and where things were headed and wildlife and all kinds of, of other things. Yeah, there's every like every challenge that you could reasonably expect, like from wildlife to like long hauls without resupply to poor trail. The only challenge that's not really there on the GDT is like water. There is a lot of water. It's almost never a concern. Oh, okay, that's good. So let's talk about the other, you know, were, were there other hikers that uh, we're doing the GDT along with you. Um, it seems like it's it's not as populated of a trail from what I've read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, the GDT is was started in the 70s and kind of fizzled out in the 80s. And for the longest time, like from 80s, 90s, 2000s, there was two, three people a year maybe doing it. Some years probably nobody did it. And then the GDTA really restarted in 2013 from a few passionate hikers. And since then, they've been improving the trail at a huge speed. And the word's been getting out a lot more. So in our year, 2017, there was about 40 through hikers. And that's increasing every year. So there was about 100 this year. So over the last five years, it's maybe gone. Yeah. And like a few years before us, there was maybe like five or 10. So it's gone from five or 10 to 100. But it's nowhere near like PCT. You still can have days where you see nobody out there. We didn't see anybody for six days one time, like not even any person. 
mean, you're there hiking together. I mean, you'd already hiked the PCT together. So, you know, you, you know, each other's nuances of how you're going to do in those long, you know, trail situations. But, but I would think with the PCT, you're around maybe a lot more other people, whether at camp, you know, or, or things like that. Did that kind of impact your dynamic of, you know, how you interacted, you know, with your partner? Yeah, it totally did. Um, one of the, we're obviously we're different people with different personalities. And one of the things my wife really liked about the PCT was that it was, it was such good trail and it was like such a consistent experience that you feel really capable and you're doing these big miles and it's a lot of relatively enjoyable hiking. And then where we differ is that when things start going like bad, when we're like bushwhacking or something kind of horrible, I kind of perk up at the challenge and she doesn't really like it as much. Um, she's awesome. She pushes through. She yeah. And what I thought was interesting too, with uh, you and your wife, that you were both blogging your experiences and, you know, quite different, you know, approaches and, and very personal, which, which I think, you know, I wondered, were you reading each other's entries as you were going or were you kind of saving that for later? We're, yeah, we both blogged and we're both so different because I'm so like right-brained analytical that my blogs are kind of like, here's the beta. And her blogs are like a story of the experience. I think hers are better. I just can't write like that. And um, so I love reading her blogs. I, yeah, I always read her blogs. Maybe she reads mine. She probably does, but hers are, hers are more awesome. I loved actually reading both of them you know, kind of at the same time, and, and they were very complimentary. It was good to see it through both your eyes. So I, I thought that was an interesting kind of, um, you know, perspective to see both of you and kind of getting to know you both as you were blogging and, you know, your different personalities and your approach to, to the trail, but also working together as a partners, um, and which was very evident in, in your stories mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, she's awesome. She's a great partner. One of the great things about like what she brings to our hiking team is that she notices like the beauty more than I do. And she has all the, the highs, like when she's having a great day, it's just so encouraging for everybody. Cause she's so happy. And I'm like always the same. <laughs> I'm just like kind of super level emotionally. And so I don't have the highs and the lows. Um, so it's cool hiking with her to see that. Speaking of the beauty, I mean, you did, you did take a lot of photographs that you were inserting into your blog, and then you were also uh, doing video and compiling to, uh, video as well. Um, were you both involved in that of of being photographers, or is that more of your thing? The photography was more of my thing. Um, I just kind of happened that way. She takes great photos too. I just happened to be the one probably with the hip belt pocket free to carry the camera a lot of the time. And then I kind of took it on and you start learning about what's going to work for the video and you learn more and more and then um, go from there. This year she hiked again. And so now she did all the video for her new hike and really has taken that on now. Oh, so what did she hike this year? So this year, T hiked. She wanted to hike solo, and really, like, I couldn't hike this year, and we loved the GDT. She wanted to hike again and do it by herself, and so she hiked 
southbound, but we couldn't. She couldn't start until middle uh, middle of the summer. So she started from the northern terminus at Kakwa and hiked south, and ended up making it about three quarters of the way until we got a lot of snow here in early October, and she called it off because it was just getting to be full winter out there. But I'm sure that was a really amazing experience to uh, to then do it on her own. So. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to seeing her uh, posts about that too. Yeah, she yeah did awesome. So speaking of just kind of the hike and, you know, we talked about, you know, that you were you know, taking pictures and all of that, but but let's talk about the gear and just, you know, how you went about planning for the the hike mm-hmm. itself. So, did you take what you learned from the PCT and then dial it in? what what was your difference in in gear 2014 and then you know in uh was it 2017 right yeah um it's definitely different we we were perhaps over not over prepared but when you go when you hike on the pct you can get away with a lot less stuff like you see people without rain pants with single wall tents and pretty minimal insulation and all that kind of stuff on the PCT, we're from BC and we're used to like kind of terrible wet conditions and things like that. So we were a lot more prepared. We were a lot more prepared for like really harsh conditions, cold weather and wet than a lot of, than the average person on the PCT was. And we were probably a bit overkill in that regard on the PCT. So for the GDT, we were kind of already kind of set up a little more, and our PCT gear kit probably was actually more appropriate for the GDT, like double wall tents and full rain gear and rain mitts and everything like that. So we didn't add too much, but one thing that we did add was we have an ursac that we use instead of a bear canister or hanging on the PCT. We we hung or used a bear canister. The ursacs where you're just like a Kevlar bag for your food are so much nicer for the GDT because there's off, the trees are small. There's not a lot of good hanging trees, and bear canisters are heavy, and ursacs are legal. So it's a really nice, like, end of the day, tie it to a tree. That really was a big improvement. Cool. And I noticed in some of your videos, like, you had, like, a lot of bugs around, and you were wearing the nets and stuff. So was was it pretty miserable for a little while? Yeah. Um it wasn't ridiculous. Like we had one day that was ridiculous, but for the most part, it wasn't too much worse than what we hit in the Sierras on the PCT. It, yeah, the bugs are bad and I would be prepared for them, but you're also changing elevations so much that even when they're horrible, you'll probably be out of them in a few hours because the trail is so like high and low and all over the place. So the gear that you did have, is there anything you would have changed? kind of swapped out uh if you had to go back and do it over or Uh, we did we did pretty well because i've been like kind of an obsessive gear geek for a long time and i've got it pretty honed in what i like i'm always looking to go lighter and i there's a number of things where i could have got away with a bit lighter tent a bit lighter backpack things like that which matter when you're doing like a 10-day stretch without resupply and your packs are getting pretty heavy with all that food so I'd like to go a little lighter. And oh, one thing that we would change is we never had a battery bank on the GDT. And then we were always stressed out because we're doing like 10 days. And one time our camera fried. So we had just a little iPad mini that was our 
had our app and was our camera and was like all our beta and we were doing 10 days. So it was a very stressful for just like, you can't turn your thing on to navigate unless you really need to. So you weren't using like a solar charger or anything. We had nothing. We just charged it in town. Oh, wow. um, yeah. And now we have a battery bank and that's like, it's amazing how we did without. I know. Yeah, for real. So on the trail, did you, you did have, I did notice on your blog and I'll do a, a link to it. You do have your gear guide there, right? Of, of everything, your gear yeah. list and, and kind of, I think even the weight, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's on there. Yeah. All right, cool. So I'll link to that. So on the trail, you talked about you're going through some like national park type land and then, um, you know, different parts as you're going along. Did you have to get permits for any of the trail itself? And did you have to do that ahead of time or did you just have to register? What was that? Yeah. So the permits are one of the hardest things with the GDT and it's, it makes it less approachable for somebody that wants to do the hike because it seems so overwhelming at first. I've tried to explain it a bit on my blog, but it changes every year too. So it's just, it's not actually that hard, but it's intimidating when you're approaching it. And the situation there is that there's all these different authorities, like different parks, national and provincial, and they basically all have different rules, or at least a lot of them do. The Great Divide Trail Association on their website, uh, greatdividetrail.com, has a pretty good process. But basically, it's not too bad if what you do is you come up with an itinerary for the hike, and you plan that out, and the GDTA is providing some of those. So you can just be like, I am hiking about, of an average, about at an average speed, and you choose one that's about average. And then look at – there's a campsite list as well that says if there's an authority for that area and if you need a permit or not. So the campground list on the GDT website is helpful for that. You do need to book them in advance um, for some of the sites because they will book up. Other ones you do need to book, but they're not going to book up. So you can just wait and see if you're getting off schedule or something like that and do it last minute. That's interesting because I did see that on your blog you had an itinerary. So I was wondering what that was about, if if really you had to stick to that. And it sounds like for the GDT, they are trying to get you to stick to some sort of, at least going in, what your itinerary would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a hard one. But I think the way that it kind of is working in practice is that if hikers have an itinerary and they make an honest effort to stick to it, if you get a bit off, the parks are going to be understanding. But if you just like freewheel it through, like there are actually some wardens out there now and they do actually like, like my wife got checked twice this summer hiking. They do actually check now, which wasn't the case a few years ago. And if you have just like totally disregarded the rules, then that's going to be a problem when you run into them. While you were on, then, you know, was there minimal cell service? Did you carry any sort of satellite device uh, when, when, or personal locator type beacon? Did you have that at all? Yeah. There, so there's almost no cell service on the GDT. It's, it's super wild. Like, that's something that will strike people is sometimes you're out there and you're just like, wow, like, I am way out there i've never been somewhere like this so there's only like a couple spots on the entire trail with cell service even some of the resupplies like of the six main spots people resupply even two of the 
spots don't have self-service in like these small little kind of towny type spots. They're more like resorts. So we did have a satellite device. Um, we have an inReach. That's those are awesome. And nowadays, when you can check the weather on them, it's huge because you're sometimes you're going through pretty exposed terrain like alpine ridges, and you want to know if it's going to be like crazy up there tomorrow or not. Did you have so, any yeah. like harrowing type experiences with weather? I know it when it first started out, you were dealing with a lot of snow still. Um, did you have mm-hmm. a lot of storms? We had our 2017 summer was very dry and we had a lot of fire issues, but we didn't have a lot of bad weather for like storms and stuff. We had one day where it started raining and hailing right as we were going up to the Alpine and it was really cold. And so we ended up having to hunker down for about half a day. But other than that, it was pretty good in 2017. Whereas this year was a lot more of that for hikers. What about uh, river crossings? Did you have any kind of uh, wilder rivers that you had to navigate across? Were any of those challenging? Yeah, there are there are definitely some challenging fords. A lot of them are glacial dependent. So people can have like a pretty, find them quite reasonable early in the morning and then somebody else will get there at five in the afternoon and be like, that was ridiculous. Like there's no way you could get across. So there absolutely are fords where you want to be like smart about what you're doing. And especially on some of the alternates too, they go over areas that might cross a bigger river or something on some of the optional hikes. And those can really be substantial too. So there's some big rivers on the GDT. So you were resupplying um, in some of the resort type towns. Is, is that what was happening? Yeah, there's the resupply situation on the GDT is good enough. There's a few spots that are, thankfully, they do it because there's like a visitor center, for example, at Peter Lohe Park. And if they stopped accepting packages, you would just have to like, you would have a massive haul without that spot. And there's a few other spots as well where if they stopped, it would be a big problem. But right now, it's not too bad. The longest stretches are about 200 kilometers. And there's about, so there's about six spots where you resupply. And one of them though is 25 kilometers, so about 15 miles off the trail. So each way. So we chose not to resupply there and do a 300 kilometer stretch, about 200 miles without resupply. So you're carrying a lot with you. Because it was so far off. Yeah. Yeah. We did a few, several eight to 10 day stretches. You know, with a lot of the long trails, there's, you know, especially things like PCT, CDT, AT, you have, you know, trail angels, you have, you know, different people that are out there helping the hikers. Was there any of that? Is there any of that that's also happening at the GDT? There is a bit. It's one of the neat things with the GDT is it's kind of in the early stages of becoming, like finding its identity. So there are... In the there's a couple towns where there's trail angels. There's some really great couple in Coleman that have a B and B, and they put up hikers for like almost no cost and give them great meals. And there's a few other new trail angels in Golden and elsewhere. So it's there's some, but there's nowhere near what like the PCT would have. But on the flip side of that, 
one thing that you don't get are like trail angels that are like really overworked like you see on the pct sometimes we kind of felt bad for some of them because like hikers were almost taking them for granted it was like oh there'll be a trail angel here and they'll do all these things for me sometimes on the pct and it looked like they were really doing a lot of work on the gdt it's a lot more informal and just like there's a couple hikers coming through so it's not that it's not like this kind of formalized trail angels it's more like kind of the original trail angel so yeah because for i guess my perspective would be that it would change how you hike if you're maybe anticipating or expecting that help along the way and maybe a little less self-reliant in in certain situations at least yeah yeah the, totally like there might somebody might give you a ride into a town but you're definitely not going to count on it because that person's busy and may or may not make it kind of thing. So do you feel like, uh, are you getting, are you getting people coming to you because you did the yo-yo? Um, and do you, are you getting a lot of, uh, you know, potential hikers asking you questions and asking for advice? Yeah. So I, I'm really passionate about the great divide trail because it's awesome now and because it has so much potential where every year it actually gets substantially better. Like this year, a new section opened that chopped a whole bunch of road walking off the trail and next year the same is true. And it's so it's like, it's so cool to be a part of that because it's not, the trail is improving so fast and anybody that volunteers can make a real difference. So one of the things, so that gets me excited about the trail and then, I'm on the Facebook group and people have questions and I'm just so excited for everybody that I do answer a lot of questions on the Facebook group. And then, yeah, somehow I end up always talking to hikers because of that. Well, I think your blog also is very informative and uh, has yeah. some great detail, both both you and, and your wife. So uh, definitely I'm going to link in my show notes to, you know, to your blog, but uh, just for the listeners right now, so it's, uh, can you say the name of the blog that, that you're running? My blog's into cascadia.ca. So like cascades, but cascadia. Yeah. Yeah. And T's blog is into bohemia. So it's kind of parallel blogs. Hers is .com. And she has all her GDT blogs on there too, including more from this year. We'll uh, link to both. So let's actually talk about um, we didn't really get into kind of how the hike progressed. So, so you made it the length of the first length and, and that was, it was going northbound or southbound. We started northbound. So we started northbound. at the U S border and the first month was a lot of snowshoeing because we started in June 1st where July 1st is kind of the norm. So we snowshoed, I don't know, maybe 200 kilometers of the first 400, maybe half the time. It was yeah, a lot. And it was hard and scary, but it was really cool. Like we had, there's some sections in the national parks that are super popular in the summer and nobody was there. So it was really neat to see in that season. And then we made it all the way northbound and it was, it was like, the weather was a bit hard. We had like some overcast days and drizzle and things like that. And then we turned southbound and it was like super good weather. We were loving it, but it had actually been a lot of the trail closed due to fire ahead so every town resupply we're checking like is this open yet is the fire out and a bunch of the fires uh, did go out 
um, and we were able to hike it. But then we had a big problem at the end with a fire and water scene that burned a lot of the trail. So you were forced off trail for a while? Yeah, we had to take a month off because like, the trail was actually burning in Waterton National Park just at the southern terminus. So we were forced off the trail with about 150 kilometers to go. So about 95% done. We had maybe five days and we had to stop because it was a huge forest fire. And we had to take a month off. And we were fortunate that winter didn't get too crazy because it was already mid-September. And then we weren't able to hike again until late October, which is crazy late in the Rockies. And we ended up finishing on November 1st, which is like, yeah, which is super late. And we had a foot of snow the last day. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we were fortunate. I was just area this weekend and like right now there's more snow there were some cdt hikers finishing up that i saw and they were just like yeah pushing through the snow so when you were off trail um how did you keep i mean because you're probably there going okay what what are we gonna do did you did you go home Mm -hmm. did you wait it out in a trail town so what did you decide to do yeah, first I always there was a a great hike near the coast in the Stein Valley Park that is something I've been kind of trying to do a fastest known time on for a long time. <laughs> I didn't go very well in the past, but uh, this time I was actually in good shape from hiking all summer. So I was like, well, this is the perfect chance to try for that. So I did do that and was able to do that and was successful in that. And then we went and visited family in Ontario um, for a, for about a month. And we tried to rock climb, which was terrible because our arms were just totally wasted away from all the hiking. Uh, but we kept busy and had fun. And so when you came back, were you going back to the burn section? I mean, did you have to go back through where everything had been burned? Yeah. So we had – I. We went back and we had 150 kilometers to go and about the last 50 had been totally burned. We had to stop at about 150 from the end because the government, there's such high fire risk, they closed all the backcountry in the, in Canada or in Western Canada. So we came back, we hiked about 100 kilometers, and then the last 50 was all a burn zone, which was crazy. There was actually trees like still smoking in the forest, but it also had snowed. So there was like a foot of snow with like black tree trunks sticking out and like that sometimes must have smoking been actually ones. Actually, pretty beautiful though. Yeah. It was cool. It was super unique, and there was definitely a beauty in that. Yeah, but but also dangerous. I mean, to be kind of in a, a burn zone where you know the trees can fall and other things. So. Yeah, yeah. We made sure we didn't camp like under dead trees and things like that because that could be a problem for sure. And what are some of the uh, wildlife encounters you had? Uh, was anything? kind of close or you know did you have any grizzly close encounters yeah so the gdt is like legitimate wild so there's everything there from like cougars and wolverines to grizzlies to like like not like to be scared of it like if you're responsible you're going to be fine but it's you don't want to just be flippant about it either so we saw no grizzlies on our northbound section, but we saw seven on our southbound one. And some of them were close. At one time I was bushwhacking through some willows and it was into the wind and really loud. So you couldn't really, I wasn't making as much noise as I should have. And even if I was trying to, it would have been hard. 
into the wind with so much wind noise. But I popped through some willows, and there was just a clearing with like 20 yards away, a grizzly in it. And thankfully, it just took off. Um, and a few Did other you... times, we saw big grizzlies. Oh, keep going. A few other times, we saw big grizzlies. Um, there was one time we popped out in the morning. There's this huge meadow with just a huge adult grizzly out in the middle. It was, it was really beautiful and not scary because it was far. Uh, Did you carry bear spray with you? Yeah, totally. Um, okay. I think that's like, I think you got it. Uh, a few people carry like those tiny little dog sprays that are like more like a little squirter. And I don't think that's a good idea. I think you want like the big canister. Yeah. Yeah. Like the legit bear sprays. So I know we talked a little earlier too. You had put out, uh, you had done some video editing and, uh, and put those together. Um, how many, yes, you know, videos did you put together for this specific hike? For the yo-yo, we put together, I think, nine episodes. It kind of started off with a bunch of sections in one because I wasn't very good at filming and we didn't have much to work with. But by the end of the summer, I was better at filming. And so things dragged out a bit more. I thought there was going to be like three episodes and then it just turned into like nine somehow. So it's almost an hour of all that. Did you, uh, do you have a YouTube channel that uh, listeners can go out to yeah yeah it's just my name dan durston is the okay. youtube channel and do you ever i mean kind of looking back a couple of years later uh is there anything that strikes you about the hike now um that you've had more time to reflect on it one thing that's really cool having done the hike is that t and i ended up moving to the rockies the year after and now we have we feel like we know this like the broader area that we live because of that hike we've been like all the way up the rockies and so whenever we do something it all like connects into this kind of skeleton of the environment that we have in our minds from that big hike so we'll go somewhere and be like oh yeah this is kind of near that part of the trail and so it really gave us like a sense of place for where we live now and appreciation for what's all around us and that's something we carry with us for sure that's cool and then like you said t did her own uh, hike of the GDT this summer. How was that? You uh, kind of staying back. Was that tough for you? It was, I love hiking. So it was hard to be out there, but I was also so proud of her because she's, she's always hiked with me and she's like always been a bit hesitant to just go on her own. And this summer she was just like, didn't want to be held back by that kind of fear anymore. And so she went for it and she like really was brave and really, did awesome and like found that courage in her and found her feet and she's just more confident for it. And we're going to be a better team for it with her, like having, if, you know, if we ever got separated or something like yeah. that, she would just have experience to draw from. Now that that's pretty inspiring. I hope to do some longer solo hiking someday. And it's really great to see women out there doing it. Yeah, we met a, a guy on the PCT that was supporting his wife and he was like, I'm not really a hiker, but she's awesome and I want to support her. And I thought that was so cool. So then when T was doing the, the GDT this summer, I was like, just happy to trail Angel for her and like do little day hikes with her and bring her the resupply and just be a cheerleader for her. No, that's that's pretty cool. So you got to at least participate in it as as you could. And, and definitely a support yeah. capacity and, and hanging out. 
yeah, it was it was great to help her. So what as we you know close out, what advice would you give to someone who is you know interested in thinking about either section hiking or through hiking the GDT? Uh, what are some things you would tell them? Well, um, it's the GDT is like I think it's. I'm a little biased, but I think it's kind of the pinnacle of hiking because it's like, it's so wild and it's so just like consistently awesome, but also so challenging that, um, it's, well, first I would say somebody should have some experience for Mm -hmm. parts of it. I wouldn't recommend that if somebody's just like, hasn't hiked much, they're more just like, that would be cool. I would recommend doing some prep and things like that, and then making sure to start on sections that are in the national parks, for example. If somebody hikes the northernmost section that's super wild, it's like you got to know what you're doing, and it's pretty intense out there. But at the same time, like anybody can do it. It's not like ridiculous. If somebody is passionate, they can put it together and do that. On a practical level, I would say don't be intimidated by the permits. It's a bit to work through, but there's people to help you and there's itineraries and there's websites and there's new resources all the time. Yeah. So I would say that while there are some hardships with reservations and permits and things like that, it's not as bad as it looks when you first approach it. And there's a lot of resources to help and those are there and it's not that bad. So what's next for you? Are you, what's your next kind of challenge or or where do you go from, from a hike like that? Yeah, it's hard because the GDT is so awesome. What I've been doing is doing some of the alternates on the GDT. There's the main route and then there's alternates. Sometimes they're alternates because the main route's busy and you, maybe you don't have permits, but other times they're an alternate that's um, just a bit too, intense to be the main route like it might have a bit of easy scrambling on it or something like that and i've been really enjoying looking for those routes and also doing some scouting for the gdta to help them reroute some sections and doing some trail maintenance for them it's so rewarding because it's getting better so fast they have like almost 50 kilometers of new single track opening next year that's all replacing like old roads so it's like it's like it's huge so it's all been GDTA stuff for me. Um, other than just like just getting deeper into the Rockies because they're so awesome and doing some off trail hikes too on my own time. Cool. So if people want to reach out, what's the best way to contact you? On my blog, there's a contact page that has my email there and I'm happy to answer GDT or any other questions. Um, so that works well. Okay. Well, Dan, thank you so much for your time tonight and for answering my questions and being so forthcoming and and generous with information about the GDT. And I'm really looking forward to sharing this out with listeners. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for putting this on. Thanks again for listening today. Don't forget to check out the show notes so you can follow Dan and learn more about what he's up to and also to find more out about the Great Divide. I'll have links to the Great Divide Trail Association, as well as to Dan and T's blogs. Until next time, see you on the trail. 